0: to the SCV leadership and business solutions in our weekly podcast. I'm Paul Raggio.
1: And I'm Lisa Raggio, and we are here to help business owners and organizational leaders find their way today, tomorrow, and in the future. And we're really excited to be partnering with The Signal to bring you best practice leadership and business tips each week to help you during these unprecedented and changing times. And we are so happy to welcome our guest today, Gloria mercado Fortine, as well as Phil Solomon. Gloria is the board president, and Phil is the CEO of the Samuel Dixon Family Health Center. And we're excited to talk to them and learn from them as well.
0: And we're a brother-sister team, and we coach and mentor business owners and organizational leaders. And they're teams really to achieve the highest quality products and services. So. <laughs> Uh, take a look at our website we offer sales and marketing leadership and team building financial analysis budgeting and forecasting systems development and management and short and long-term planning that's all part of our menu of offerings we have in terms of workshops and one-to-one coaching and as part of our uh, podcast we offer a theme for the week and This week's theme is say something, not just anything. We just published an article on this, this past week, and we're gonna invite our guests to take part in some of the conversation regarding that topic and what it uh, does for leadership.
1: Excellent. So without further ado, I'm going to read to you the backgrounds and the bios of Gloria and Phil. And as I mentioned, Gloria is the board president of the Samuel Dixon Family Health Center and is also the CEO and president of Global Education Services, Inc., an educational leadership consultancy. GES works with school organizations undertaking leadership and cultural transformations. And Gloria has extensive experience as an educational leader. During her 30-year career in education, she served as teacher, counselor, principal, assistant superintendent, and superintendent president. She worked for the second largest school district in the nation, that is Los Angeles Unified School District, and was responsible for 125 schools and oversaw a budget of $225 million. Gloria also was raised in Santa Clarita Valley and she served four terms, that's 16 years, as a publicly elected official on the governing board for the William S. Hart School District. And prior to that, she was working, she served on the Castake Union Elementary School District Governing Board for 10 years. Gloria has been honored uh, many times in our community. One of those um, awards was the 2018 SCV Woman of the Year, and she has many other, um, many other awards. And Gloria holds a, a degree, Bachelor of Arts degree from Cal State Northridge, a Master of Science in School Administration and Management. Pepperdine University and a Master of Science from Laverne University Educational Psychology. And Phil, Phil, who is the CEO of the Samuel Dixon Family Health Center, grew up in San Diego and earned his bachelor's degree in health science from San Diego State University and a Master of Public Administration from Cal State Northridge. And since 1993, Phil has worked extensively with nonprofit organizations, servicing underserved communities and culturally diverse disadvantaged youth and families. For the last eight years, he has worked for the Samuel Dixon Family Health Center, with the last five years as the CEO. He is a leader in healthcare in the Santa Clarita Valley, and he's been recognized as the Signal's top 51 in 2016, and he is is active in our community through his volunteer work and currently serves as the board chair for the Veterans Collaborative Services and serves on the executive board for Santa Clarita Community's Task Force on Homelessness. And I could read a lot more. They have a lot of things that they've accomplished. Uh, and I know we wanna get into a conversation with them and learn from them. So the first question we wanna ask you both is, uh, Samuel Dixon Family Health Center, uh, what does it do? How long has it been doing it? and what is its vision, mission, purpose? Any of those things you'd like to share with our listeners? Bella.
2: Okay, sure. Uh, San Luis Family Health Center, uh, and I'll let Gloria give some more of the historical perspective because you know, she's a Santa caridian her uh, entire, entire life. Uh, but we, uh, since 1980, uh, we've offered um, affordable healthcare services to this entire community. Um, you know, we've expanded to three different locations. You know, obviously, the Bob Verde location was the first that was established in 1980. Uh, we have our Canyon Country location, which followed suit, and then our, um, our Newhall location, which opened up in 2009. Uh, we originally started out as just providing primary health care services, uh, but through the work that we've done in our community, we've quickly realized that you know, it's, it's taking care of the entire person, the, the whole well-being of an individual. So outside of just healthcare, uh, we found that our patients that we serve also had great needs with dental care as well as uh, mental health care. So in the last six to seven years, we expanded those services to be inclusive within our health centers where we now offer uh, oral healthcare services and we contract with local dentists uh, to provide additional dentistry. And we also have uh, soon to be three uh, mental health uh, locations in our community. Two will be two, lo- lo- two will be lo- co-located in our health centers, and one's a standalone in our uh, Valencia location. So our, our mission really is, uh, you know, to provide quality healthcare, dental, and mental health services for those most in need. And our vision is to be the premier healthcare provider in Santa Cruz Valley. Excellent.
1: Mm-hmm. And what about the history? You know, the history, I think what has been uh, so impressive to Paula and I is, as we've launched our business here, is uh, how old the city is, but uh, the history of Samuel Dixon Family Health Center is even older in regards to its servicing this community.
2: Yes.
3: And and it is, uh, you know, with uh, 40 years um, in existence, uh, and, and like anything, it took uh, uh, a, a need and a special individual to to really kick it off, and that was the Reverend Samuel Dixon, and that's why we name the clinic after him. He started in a in Val in in a, in a little little building uh, next to the church, and um, so uh, to see our growth now with three sites, it's it's incredible. But he felt that there was a need in Valverde because of the population um, underserved population uh and uh and so he he made it a mission to start uh, a small clinic um, and with uh, great leadership that we've had um we've been able to expand that um and in, into the rest of the valley as uh as Philip mentioned valverde Newhall and uh and, and canyon country so uh we always wanted to maintain his his vision um and uh and, and really focus on uh what he, what that dream was uh to serve um the uh you know the underrepresented uh, uh people of our of our community.
2: You know the the very unique thing too about our organization, as Gloria mentioned about the history, uh Reverend Samuel Dixon has uh three children that are uh physicians um, you know two up in the northern county areas Uh, and one here in Santa Cruz. and if you uh, look at our website and if you are assigned membership with our health centers you'll see that the uh, primary care provider listed is Dr. Samuel Dixon the third so Dr. Samuel Dixon the third is the son of Reverend Samuel Dixon Uh, so he has been our chief medical officer now for the last I believe four years so that's a, a, a very unique uh, thing to have in an organization that you know we were we named our health centers in honor of Reverend Samuel Dixon, and uh, his son is our chief medical officer, and one of his daughters actually, who's a physician, uh, Dr. Joyce Hightower, also worked with us uh, for a couple years before uh, she moved up north.
3: And something unique is that I grew up with the kids, so uh, Dr. Hightower, uh, Joyce Hightower, uh, Joyce in High tower uh, was in my class. <laughs> so we went to <laughs> elementary and then graduated from Hart High School. <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, that's especially uh, unique, Gloria. I mean, what, what a connection that you have to the organization.
0: Okay. Very yeah. Hey, we know that you uh, you both have been going through a three year strategic planning process. And I think it would be really interesting to the audience to give your individual perspectives, Gloria, from a board president standpoint, and Phil, as the CEO of the organization, uh, just the importance of going through this process and what it does uh, to enhance the vision and the future growth of the organization.
3: Let me start off as a, as a board member, board president, and then. Uh, Philip will give you a lot of the detail. but um, as as you know with their, any organization any, any nonprofit but any organization, you'll have turnover and you'll have turnover on the board um, and you, you also have turnover uh, with, with with your personnel with your staff. But sometimes with that turnover um, people bring in their own perspectives. As, as where the organization should uh, uh, should go, or what they 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 thought the organization was was doing, and, and so when you don't have really the clarity of your of your vision and your mission, then the you you have um com, you know different opinions on how that organization should go, and sometimes you begin to lose that vision. And, and, um, and we've been around for a long time and, and so, um, so sometimes it gets blurry. And so we felt, uh, Philip, uh, I, the board felt you know, we need to kind of bring it back and really take a look at, are we really fulfilling that the vision, um, that God has started, uh, or do we need to, to make change? for the times. Um, And so that's very, very, very important. It was very important to us. And so we felt, you know, with with the changes, um, with Philip on board, uh, we were getting strong, um, but we really, but we were having some, uh, some people on the board who felt, well, maybe we should be doing X instead of Y. And, uh, and so we felt at that time, okay, we need to come together uh, as a board, uh, the CEO and staff, and really go through this process, go through a process to, to really recommit to what is our vision, our mission, and our goals. And, um, and so that's why we started this journey of, of, of taking a look, very careful look. Because we, if we can't communicate um, our vision, mission, goals to our own organization, then we're going to have a problem communicating that out to the community.
2: Yes, and and uh, I'm sorry, my motion light turned off in my office, so <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll throw something over there to get it going. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, Gloria's right. You know the, you know our 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 strategic plan you know took a great deal of time and effort to to really identify uh, areas that we felt uh, were a great need for our community and how can we as an organization uh, strive to, to achieve those uh, that are in need and you know the the strategic plan you know where we have our vision and our mission uh and our values listed there really helps us focus in and hone in on you know where should we direct our resources and energy? You know, there's a couple of sayings as, as uh, you know, all my years working in nonprofits that I've learned, you know, there's one saying where they say, you know, cash is king. And then the, the, the other saying is, you know, don't go, don't chase the money. Um, yes, cash is very important for an organization, uh, but you don't chase the money because, you know, you're going to be wasting your time and effort chasing funds that really aren't supporting you know, what your vision and mission is as an organization. So, you know, when we took the time to, to strategize and identify the needs of our community, it's really taking in the information uh, that's available to us. You know, we sit on several planning committees that uh, look at Santa Cruz Valley and look at the needs of our community. Uh, you know, I share that information with our board to discuss, you know, wh- what are the needs of Santa Clarita and where as an organization do we fit in? and you know uh, how can we help support the needs of our community where, where we fit in. Uh, and we really identified that the growing needs of mental health services uh, and the growing needs of dental care that's affordable for those that are low income and, and uninsurable, uh, those were the two greater needs of our community. And where if you look at our strategic plan, we have resources dedicated to look at expanding our services in mental health and dental because we've identified uh, as a community this is what uh, those in need are, are in great need of so uh, when we have our discussions whether it's at the board table or want to have discussions with my staff on the direction of the organization it really is a nice uh, path that we follow and we could show and discuss and focus our resources so when we talk about you know this topic or that topic and when I'm in my staffing meetings or my executive team leader meetings and we talk about these issues we really have a a template a tool to look at to say you know here's what we fit in and this is what we need to direct our our time and energy on
0: you know
1: this is an exciting conversation for me too because uh well first of all you're our 1st nonprofit that we're interviewing and there's a reason why <laughs> because you know when we look you've already said some things that that we think are key in regards to the nonprofit sector and a lot of them aren't aren't doing in regards to you've talked about a vision and where you're headed and building towards that you've talked about strategic planning and um, the experience that we have in the past is a, a lot of nonprofits get stuck in being mission driven exclusively They're not thinking about their vision, they're not thinking about their core values, and all of those things, or or what we call as points of culture, they become the compass in which that's how you go about achieving your vision and um, on your mission. But they've been very um, focused on the, the services that they provide, but not on the planning end and um both of you talk about that and and with the organization as being key to what drives it to move forward um so great points that you both have made and uh, and it speaks to the long-term impact and sustainability because phil what you talked about as well as an integrative approach this comprehensive continuum of care that you're able to offer the community and filling those gaps um and always being aware of it which which reminds me too of Covid, uh, you know, how have how has your organization and you both and your leadership had to pivot as a result of the pandemic and perhaps the other multiple crises that have been layered after Covid started?
2: Yes, and I'll I'll start with this one. Uh, you know, the the pandemic when it when it came around and and probably early to mid March, you know, we were probably operating at a, at a higher sufficiency as an organization, um, you know, providing, maximizing the, the amount of care we could provide to our patients at all, all of our locations. Uh, you know, we also have two outreach programs on CalArts and COC. So we were, we were providing services to students at, at, uh, at a high capacity. And when the COVID uh, pandemic came around, it really hit us hard. Uh, we probably dropped around 75% of our uh, productivity um, when that had occurred. So, uh, you know, we as an organization had to, to quickly adapt to the changing times and, and what the pandemic had forced us to do. Uh, you know, we could no longer provide in-person care. Um, we had to adapt quickly to uh, telemedicine and virtual encounters. Uh, And during that time when we were providing the um, non-touch encounters, we had an opportunity to really prep our health centers uh, with protective measures and barriers and and sanitation requirements and UV lighting equipment to really prepare our facilities so that when we started to have the in-person encounters, we're operating at the highest safety capacity as possible with ensuring you know those that are visiting and those that are working our facilities are are safe so it, it, it was it hit us pretty hard uh you know i have great team leaders with the organization i have great uh staff at the health centers and we all quickly had to to do a 360 and change the way we provided care and you know it, it as an organization yes the pandemic um was a challenge for us but at the end of the day, we're a better organization because we now have multiple ways that we could deliver services to our patients, other than in person. Uh, so, you know, the the leadership that I have within this organization has allowed us to adapt quickly. Although we're not operating as we once were pre-pandemic, we are operating at a much higher level than the 25% we were during the height of the pandemic. So we're we're, we're in a good position today because of the, um, the team effort that we they had. And, you know, with the support of the board and helping give us direction on, on how we respond to the pandemic and, you know, us brainstorming and talking about ways that we could um, get through this process and continue to thrive uh, that, you know, we, we came together quickly to, to manage that.
3: And. Um... You know something we've talked about through our coaching with you lisa and paul is uh, the importance of being able to pivot um and and that is exactly uh how we're able to survive um and uh it's 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 to quickly uh be able to adapt and uh you know as as an educator um when uh you know we were told schools are closing it's like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? Um, well, it took a long time before we really uh schools were able, districts to say, okay, we're gonna do remote learning. We're going to do that. Now we're gonna to have to train teachers, we're gonna to have to do all of these things. So that's why it was a it was a rough start at that end of you know that from March to June uh that second semester. Um and, and it and I knew what what everybody was going through. And I knew what Samuel Dixon would have to go through. And um, so we did quickly get together and uh, what were the possibilities because there were regulations and so forth, but uh, not to throw up your hands, um, but to, to get realistic and say, okay, what, what changes do we need to, to make? And that's that whole pivoting. What do we need to do? How can we make it work? and uh what are the resources out there um and uh and not not just not just freeze and give up um so that's how you're going to survive is being able to pivot being able to adapt um being able to get your whole team together and listen to what everybody has to say it's amazing um you know what what, what can what ideas can come uh, from that and then and then the connections and the resources and
2: so forth and yet the other thing that we did as an organization, you know, yes, we look at those that we provide care for in our community. uh, We had to look in house as well, understanding that a lot of our employees uh, were also directly impacted by this. Uh, You know, I I know, you know, I have staff that have young kids at home. I have staff that have kids that are, are in school, understanding that they would be impacted as well with the schools closing down and doing uh, virtual and remote learning. Uh, how can we support our employees during this time as well? And also understanding that with the uh, the amount of uh, layoffs and uh, reduction in force and unemployment uh, that was rising due to the pandemic, we wanted to make sure that we we're ensuring our employees that we were, are, are strategizing to take care of them as well, uh, because we didn't want them to have to worry about taking care of their families at home and whether or not they have a job to go back to to take care of their families. Uh, So, you know, we really focus our resources on not only caring for our community, but caring for the Sam Dixon family as well.
0: Yeah, this is a great testimonial to resiliency and it really brings about this concept that the military uses of you have to adapt, you have to improvise and you have to overcome. And that's how you're going to successfully achieve your mission and stay in a mission status throughout. You know, one of the things that we've talked about over the course of of, uh, the past, I guess, three or four months now with, with both of you is on goal development and goal formation, the importance of really understanding what you want in terms of an outcome when you're putting the goals together. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think that would be really instructive to the audience.
3: You know, when we first got into that, as a as an educator and, and you know small business owner and so forth, um, you know, uh, we do a lot of goal setting, strategic planning, goal setting. But um, through our coaching with with you and Lisa, it 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 has clarified it even more. Um, because sometimes we just throw goals down that sound good, <laughs> that we think, oh yeah, yeah, that 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 sounds good. But it's not necessarily in alignment to our vision and our mission. And and so to be able to break it down uh, was, uh, was a real eye-opener. I, I mean, I thought I, I knew it all. <laughs> you know, having done it for so many years, but but um, but I think it's so important that everybody understands what that uh, what that goal setting is, what does it mean, and how you break that even down further for your objectives and and and, and so forth. Um, I think for the first time um, we've had clarity of what we want to do and where we're going. Uh, Philip, what do you think?
2: Yeah. It- you know, I had thought, well, we got some pretty good goals here. When we presented uh, you both with our strategic plan, I said, we got this, you know, these goals look good, uh, you know, they're in the direction that we want to go uh, head in. Um, but the the defining and the details for each goal as we went through them, uh, you know, was pretty eye opening, as Gloria had mentioned. Uh, but it, it really was extremely helpful for us because we were able to uh, continue to focus on, on re- what really were we trying to achieve, you know, with this goal here, you know, w- what are our objectives, you know, what's the end result, and as we further broke down each goal to identify, you know, the objectives and what steps would be needed to accomplish that, it really helped us lay out a plan, um, not only for the three years, but, you know, as we had discussed in our, in our meetings, that it's, you just don't start it and finish it, by end of year three, uh, there's adaptation that happens, there's revisions that happen, uh, and it's ongoing. So it's not necessarily a three-year plan, uh, although we identify goals that we would like to achieve in that period, but that's, it's ongoing, and you're continuing to redefine them. And as the uh, delivery of services, or such as the pandemic has already had some uh, challenges to the goals that we set out in our timeline, uh, you continue to adapt your goals uh, and revise them during the course of your, of your, uh, you know, whether it's three years, five years, 10 years. Uh, so that was really eye-opening. And it, it, those exercises, it wasn't just one exercise that we went through and said, <laughs> okay, now we got it. No, we'd come back and we'd take a look at what we worked on. And then Paul and Lisa, you would say about this or that. And Gloria and I would go back and say, wow, <laughs> we thought we had this one. Uh, but but today, because we want to do those exercises with all of you, uh, today, we are very confident in our strategic plan that we have laid out for the organization.
3: A great tool, too, I think, for, um, because a lot of it is on the shoulders of staff, right? I mean, the board can, you know, we, we approve and we look at it and we give the input. But a, a great tool was the 90-day uh, uh, tracker. If I can use that, that term that you showed us that you use the 90 day where where the staff really break down those objectives in timelines and, and really into tasks. And just talking to Philip, he can, you know, he's really involved his supervisors uh from the various clinics and and uh, and and how they're going to implement that uh with their staff. So everybody is a part of this this plan. Um so I think it's wonderful, more hands-on, and then they get a lot more, and it builds capacity in in his staff as well um, because they're taking it on. It's just not some uh, strategic plan with goals and objectives that is put on the shelf, but it's a working, it's a it's a working tool.
1: Yeah, and Paul and I talk a lot about, as you both know, we're big fans of start with why. Um, we're big fans of asking why and getting purposeful in what we're trying to achieve because that helps anchor us for the vision that helps us keep on not just end at the goal that we've achieved but how it links up to the long-term vision and the why um, and so we're you know it's exciting to think about the work that you do because we're, we're big fans of what you do and we want to make sure that the services are there uh, long term and that there's sustainability And our experience is, you know, I've been I consulted before Paul and I went into uh, business and nonprofit executive management. I continue to do so and I've been working with nonprofits for 20 years. And again, there is this this wonderful allegiance in regards to the mission and the services and making sure that we're doing everything in regards to the client and not thinking so much about the business and the long term impact. And i we always say you know if if you're committed to your clients, then you have to be committed to the long term planning because you don't want to entice or appeal to a population a need and then not do the work necessary to fulfill the services going forth long term um, so it's exciting to hear that from both of you and and it's such a um it's such a big part of our community it's such a need in our community and it affects all of us, you know, we've talked before about the collective impact that your organization makes on the community as well, when you guys, when, you know, your success with Samuel Dixon Family Health Center is our community success, Um, and there's a big reason why we should all be supporting the work that you do, ongoingly, and I know um, we're we're getting close to where Paul's going to talk about the the leadership thought of the week because that's a part of we're, we're organization business and leadership they all go hand in glove uh, but before we get to that one last question is both of you i think it would be so important to share and help other nonprofit leaders the board president the ceo your relationship what makes it work and um what would you say are some things that you would be, you would be passing on to another board president and CEO to say, hey, if you want to be successful, here's my top one to three things that I would uh, impart to you to, so that you have successful leadership together.
3: Well, as, as a board president, I think it's very important to, to understand each other's roles, uh, the board, uh, the CEO. And um, so it's very important to respect Each other's roles. Uh, And I would say, too, is that um, don't micromanage as a board. You know, that's why you hire a wonderful CEO and you have to trust that CEO. Um, And um, uh, I I think that's very, very important. Um, And that CEO is the one that's going to implement your plan. Implement the policies that the board uh, writes, um, and and so that's it. Know your role as a board member. Um, know uh, you know have respect for those roles. Do not micromanage. Um, and let let your CEO do do the job. I think that that is. Uh, I have great respect um, for Philip. Um, and 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 I think vice versa. And and so we and so it's so it's not threatening for him, and it shouldn't be. There, there should be a very good working relationship between the board president, board, and the CEO. And so there should be trust. You get to the point where you trust each other. And and it's and it's okay, you know. You know, Philip will say, "Oh, I I messed that up, but here's what I've done." And it's okay for him to do, to say that. I think it's wonderful because that means he, he really does trust me, he does trust the board.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with everything Gloria had mentioned. Um, you know, the, the trust factor and understanding each other's roles is, is critical to have a healthy and successful relationship. You know, and that aligns with, you know, just having good communication. Uh, so when Gloria and, our, and I talk and we meet and we discuss about the organization, because we have that mutual respect and trust for one another, our conversations—I'm not hesitant on on sharing, you know, some of you know things that I maybe things that I'm concerned with with the organization, maybe some decisions that I that I've made that I don't feel went as well as I thought they would have. Um, so it that helps to have that because then I feel that I could really share you know, my thoughts about where we're headed as an organization, my thoughts about the, uh, the programs we have and what direction we're going in uh, freely and without reservation. Uh, and to be able to do that really opens up the communication between her and I. Uh, so that that's critical. And I think what's key that Gloria also mentioned was the micromanaging piece. Uh you know <laughs> <those> <laughs> hands, we, we understanding each other's roles, um, you know you gotta trust the CEO uh, to make good sound decisions, and you know the the CEO is responsible to ensure that uh, he or she is collecting and getting the information to make good sound decisions. Um, so the the board really has to to really trust the CEO is is doing their due diligence. Uh, to to gather the information to make good sound decisions and to uh, share that information with the board. So, you know that that is is critical and, and for me that works extremely well for me. That you know I'm I'm given the the uh, the opportunity by the board to you know we discuss directions of the organization and they allow me uh, to to do my work with my staff and my team leaders to execute you know, the direction of where we see our, our organization
0: going. Mm-hmm. Excellent. It gets right into uh, our leadership tip of the week and it's really highlighting, say something, not just anything. And uh, just in the last few days, we've gotten some more uh, concerning news about the pandemic raging and businesses uh, potentially having to shut down again. And so right now, I mean, leaders should be delivering informative, upbeat and inspirational messages that really calm and reassure their stakeholders. And during a crisis like the pandemic, I mean, it's a time when a leader must show up and demonstrate the company's values and how they can effectively communicate to continue to inspire their people through positive messages. It would be helpful if you gave any thoughts on that and that concept of not just saying something, but saying something that's really important uh, to the people that are stakeholders in your environment.
2: Yeah, and that is critical. Uh, I think uh, one thing you do as a leader is you show up. that you show up, that you're present, that you're available for your staff, uh, because it, it, without saying a word, uh, you're role modeling, uh, you know, what is expected of everyone is. You now we, we need to show up, and in order to be, uh, to do any good work, you have to be present and and show up. And for my staff to feel supported by executive leadership, we need to be present and we need to show up and be there for them. Uh, one of the things that I've instituted during the pandemic, you talk about communication uh, and messaging, uh, you know, because of the pandemic, it's it we have to reserve ourselves from having frequent face-to-face mm-hmm. conversations. You know, for me, uh, one of the things that I uh, feel is important with my staff and and my leadership team is, you know. to touch touch base with them. Uh, When I say present, to be present in the work environment, to engage with my employees, whether it's a a quick visit just to say hello, uh, that's important for me, that they see the CEO there and available, saying hello to the staff, checking in on things. Um, And because of the pandemic, I really have stepped away from doing that because of the concern of going from one location to the other and interacting with, we have, you know, 50 plus employees. So, uh, you know, I have to be cognizant of of the perception that others might feel, uh, you know, that kind of engagement is a little unsafe at this time. Uh, So with my leaders, I've instituted weekly uh, conference calling with them uh, because I wanted to make sure that A, they had a forum to express any concerns that they're seeing in the front lines. Uh, and how we as an organization can respond to that. Uh, B, for also, it gives me an opportunity to do exactly what we're talking about, Paul, is to be upbeat, to be encouraging. How can we be supportive uh, so that uh, they have that direct communication and link to uh, the executive leadership? So that wasn't that's been important for me um, during this pandemic is to maintain that level of communication and contact.
3: Uh, with my staff. Philip is right on., uh, there is a saying it's overused, but I, I truly believe in it. <clears throat> that that saying we're all in this together. And it's communicating that message that we're all in this together, that even though uh, as a, a board or a CEO, we understand. And as Philip was talking about communication, I think uh, you know leadership is about communicating and and communicating that you care that you care for the employees um it's it's and so in these hard times uh finding those ways to really communicate where you can't maybe communicate face to face uh but there are other ways virtually um and and to listen to to your staff to listen to your employees listen to their concerns and sometimes they just need a sounding board but communication is so important because people need to feel that they're being heard, that they're being heard. They're, because especially during these times, they're scared, right? I mean we we offer services um, and still and and there's still some some you know face to face because of the the clinics. Uh, so you know we need to ensure and do everything we can to to make them feel comfortable. We care about your safety. We care about your concerns. So, um, so leaders, good leaders do that anyway. But during these times, uh, these unique times, you, you really have to do more of it.
2: And the other thing I would say uh, during, that's critical during these times in particular is, you know, you, you really want to find those opportunities uh, to show your appreciation for your staff um, on a regular basis throughout the year. As an organization, we do that. The pandemic has really um, impacted how we do that. Um, but, you know, you really you really want to, to show your staff that you appreciate them. So any opportunity we have as an organization to do that, we want to make sure we do that so that they know that the work that they do uh, doesn't go unnoticed. We notice everything that they're doing. Uh, I know our patients appreciate it that we're made available to help them. Uh, so we want to as our as an organization, we want to do our part in really expressing our appreciation for the employees that that really make uh, make things go. Um, so
0: what a wealth of uh, leadership and business and nonprofit tips for the audience. I mean, we're so grateful to have you both on the, the show and the information that you provided. It was just terrific.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Hey, before we close out and actually one more, one more thing we want to make sure that our listeners know and and we're learning this, we're in this new normal and Paul and I are are, um, podcasters for the first time. So it's fun and exciting. Uh, But we want to ask you where can people find out more about Samuel Dixon Family Health Center? Where can we direct them to and how would they get a hold of you and, and support you?
2: So our website would be the best, tool uh, www.sdfhc.org uh, it has all of our information in there and the services that we offer is all the contact uh, information for each one of the sites and it has administrative information there as well uh, but that's the best way to, to reach out to any one of us any of the facilities for anything that you may have a need of
3: excellent and, and I just like to add one more thing is is that you know we we don't do a lot of fundraisers we do one fundraiser uh, right now and that is our, our rubber ducky or our Dixon Dash as we call it now and uh, so we we had to change it this year but we know we're going to do it next year next spring hopefully uh, toward the end or closer to summer um, but uh, so be on the lookout for our for the uh, our, our rubber ducky
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, thank you both so much. We've learned a ton, as Paul said, um, and I've taken some notes here. So there's, you can learn a lot just by listening to this particular podcast on uh, leadership and what you can be doing to pivot during these uncertain times, and and how to lead through crisis, basically. Um, so I thank you both, and thank you for your leadership, and thank you for the Samuel Dixon Family Health Center that is here in our community, and we have such a a great organization that we can all support. Before we close out, what we do in this podcast too, um, our way of supporting our local businesses is to have a business spotlight every single week. So we're gonna shine a light business spotlight on one particular business and business owner. And I'm gonna read you a little bit about that. So we have a great Santa Clarita Valley business to spotlight. It's Santa Clarita Massage by Natalia. Natalia is a sole proprietor, licensed and certified massage therapist who has had her own business in the Valley for 20 years. She is certified in 19 different massage techniques and she graduated from the Hands-On Healing Massage Institute in 2000 and has been in the massage business ever since. You have to look at her impressive five-star reviews on Yelp and her website. She's definitely passionate about her work and got into this business because she loves helping people recover from physical and emotional pain and stress. And she is pandemic safe and strictly follows all the public health protocols. She offers professional therapeutic massage with warm stones for your back, neck, shoulders to ease the pain um, for injuries, and she'll reduce stress caused by the pandemic. She's a professional therapeutic experienced massage therapist that can do miracles to your body and will heal pain and aches and help you with your immune system. She's been voted best massage therapist in Los Angeles for different years by Fox News, and we encourage you to take advantage of the holiday special. she's offering with beautifully wrapped gift certificates for any occasion for family and friends and business associates. And it's a great way to give a gift of Christmas or New Year's. So you can reach Natalia at 661-993-8465 and her website is massage.com. You won't be disappointed. And with that, as we close out, we encourage our listeners also to visit our website, which is onetruenorthcoach.com. We've created a COVID-19 resource page that we, uh, our aim is that that's very helpful for our business owners and our organizational leaders. It's got slides, some images that we believe in that could help you, and a lot of links to articles um, that will help you navigate through this uncertain time. And you will also have clarity on who we are, what we do, how we serve, and One True North's unique selling proposition. And we offer ongoingly a complementary business or organizational diagnostic. And You'll find that on our homepage um, or some easy information on how you can sign up for that. And last but not least, Paul mentioned his article in regards to his leadership tip of the week. Um, or our article One True North. So you can also visit our One True North Facebook and LinkedIn pages. And that's where we post our articles and other helpful information as well. We're here today, tomorrow, and the future to help you uh, find your way through these uncertain times. And glad to be on the journey with all of you listeners. And thank you again to Phil and Gloria for a great conversation.
2: Thank you very much. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you. Have a great day.